to the Restart Radio, a show about technology, but with a different take on things. My name is Ugo Vallauri, and from the Restart Project in London, and I'm joining today in the studio by Dave and Dave. Dave Lukes. Hi there. A Restart volunteer for a long time, and Dave Pickering. Hello. Podcaster and observer of the Restart parties we run in London. The Restart Project is an organization based in London that promotes and inspires a different approach to our relationship with electronics and the way we prevent waste by pushing the limits and reusing things and repairing them and giving them a second or a third life. And today we're going to talk about some key fixes that happened in recent Restart events, particularly with Dave, and then move on and talk about uh, great events upcoming and some inspiring news from uh, the world of social media that we saw this week. We're here on Re Resonance 104.4 FM and Dave. Hi there, yeah. Um, on Saturday I went to a shopping centre may seem a bit strange in Uxbridge, for a restart party hosted by our friends at the Rubbish Diet, West London. Um, it's very interesting to do restarting in a shopping centre. It would seem to be contradictory that in a temple of consumerism, you're actually repairing stuff and encouraging people not to consume, but that's what we do. It's also interesting to see people's reaction. Uh, we had a lot of fun, uh, quite a few interested people just wandering past, wondering what we were doing in the middle of a shopping centre. So lots of interest from new people and also a couple of very interesting repairs. For instance, um, one very nice lady brought along an original first-generation free-play wind-up clockwork radio. Uh, for those of you who don't know the story, these were built um, by an organisation to provide uh, people in South Africa with radios who didn't have them. So this is a radio that actually works without any electricity from outside. Correct. And no rechargeable batteries either. This original one ran on a clockwork mechanism with a regulator and a big old spring from an old clockwork toy, a child's toy. Um, fascinating machine and still working after over 10 years. Uh, the one it had two small problems a loose volume control and the aerial had managed to snap off inside the machine so we took it apart cleaned it a little bit um, used a proprietary fixing compound to stick the aerial back into place wait 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 wait, wait. this is complicated yeah, I, I don't understand I'm already that lost I'm so. definitely, I don't, definitely don't understand Sorry. that bit. so we're here it's 1.30pm <laughs> and we're trying to understand what is going on in the world of repairing tell okay. us a little bit more like if we never took anything apart. Okay, so um, there were two things wrong with this radio. One was that the volume control was quite loose. That, oddly enough, like many repairs, this wasn't an electrical problem. It was a mechanical problem. So, in other words, it was a loose knob. Right, so sometimes <laughs> when you're trying that. to repair things, it's it might seem really hard, complicated, and require electronic engineering degrees, but it's really not the case. Absolutely, yeah. In this case, all it required was actually a knife blade to um, reshape slightly the uh, little, whatever you call it, the stub that the volume control was, the volume control knob shaft, as they call it. <laughs> um, 
and we just had to reshape that slightly so that the knob fitted better. And that was it. So it was more mechanical than anything else. And similarly, the aerial, they had one of those nice pull-out telescopic aerials. That had worked loose inside the case, so it was falling all over the place, wouldn't stand up. And that was, again, a bit of glue, basically, to be honest. It was actually quite fancy glue that we used as a proprietary fixing compound. But nonetheless, ultimately, glue and a bit of tweaking with a knife blade fixed it. So the thing is, people that attend these events seem to really want to make a difference. Uh, so, Dave, you've run into a lot of them trying to figure out what, what their motivations are. Yeah. So w what do you think uh, might motivate someone who has probably already had the same wind-up radio device for 10 years to try to fix it again? Well, I mean, that's an interesting thing that, to me about, because I, I, what I've been doing is going into the restart parties and recording people's experiences there as, as part of our podcast. And uh, it, that's the interesting thing to me has been to be reminded of uh, people's personal relationships with, with the things that they own. Like, it's easy to think these days that everything's disposable, um, but it's been really surprising to me, and it shouldn't have been surprising to me, the emotional, like, connection that people have with these with the things that they've got and so I mean I remember from a restart party like a, a couple a few months ago now um, an, an old an older gentleman came with a with a radio that he he was wanting fixed and it, it got fixed and he was so so grateful because it wasn't just a piece of um, it, it wasn't just a piece of mechanics that was fixed it was his memories it was his entire like life up to that point and he 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 talked beautifully on, on mic to me about about that and uh, and it really moved me and sort of surprised me absolutely there seems to be something specifically about radios fixing radios and perhaps how analog radios survive this trend to go digital and dab and whatever else and people are really attached to them oh yes definitely um I've fixed 1960s radios before now, and it does, I think, possibly because, especially for the older generation, it was their window on the world. You know, that was their relationship, that, especially in the days before TV, and even during, if you imagine, what do people listen to on the radio? It tends to be fairly specialised. You know, hence resonance, for instance, right? And so a radio is very much in the same way we talk about the soundtrack to people's lives, And that's what a radio is to a certain extent. It's the, broad, it's the mechanism by which they hear the soundtrack to their lives. Absolutely. And there's something also special about, uh, we talk about these restart parties, which are events where we pop up in all kinds of places to inspire people to bring in something broken and learn together with repair coaches, our volunteers, how things work and how they can be amended. There is something special about running these events in pop-up venues, changing them all, all of the time. So I'm quite uh, interested in what your experience in doing so in a shopping mall was about. Uh, that's the second one we've run. We, we ran one last year in a shopping mall in Wood Green. And again, it was a very interesting experience because a lot of curiosity, people... Some people rushing past actually stopped to ask what we were doing and look over our shoulders as, as we were repairing. So, yes, it is very interesting. And also my personal take on it is that we are, if you like, to some extent repurposing the shopping mall. So instead of consuming stuff, we are encouraging people to consume repair, if you like. Right. Yeah? Well, there seems to be, in theory, quite a clash between repairing as opposed to 
buying and buying again and again. But actually, we're seeing a bit of a shift where uh, true ownership of devices has to do with being able to do aftercare and finding ways to extend the life of things. And younger people don't seem so attached to owning things, rather to be able to use them and extend their useful lifetime with them. Well, maybe some young people are. You know, there may be some, for instance, the previous generation had Tamagotchis, if you remember those. <laughs> so there is some sense that of possession. And I agree that, yeah, it does seem superficially the younger generation isn't as mindful of their devices, if you like. But on the other hand, these things always go in waves, don't they? In a few years, suddenly you will find a whole new generation coming along who are mindful of their devices. And maybe repair will become fashionable too. The Restart Project has started from the beginning and wanting to showcase and make, in a sense, more transparent and visible the act of repairing things. Yeah. Also to increase people's understanding of what happens when you take something apart. And um, I wonder whether there is some specific advantage in doing so in such a public or not so public space, uh, if you know what I what we mean with that, about doing it in a shopping mall or in a place devoted to consumption normally. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting thought. Uh, I think there is the advantage that more people see it, obviously, and more people get engaged with it who otherwise wouldn't be engaged. Uh, in terms of it being a more interesting experience because of the environment, well, I, I, the repair process is still the same, but um, as you and I have talked about before, Hugo, repair, to some extent, is the way the Restart Project does it, is, if you like, a performance, an interactive process. It's not just give me your device and I'll repair it and hand it back. So the more public it is, the better. The more people see it, the better. There's an yeah. interesting thing about that as well, that the this idea of there being a tension between a shopping centre and repairing is an, it's an interesting one because... A shopping centre is where you would have had repair shops in the past, like and yes. and the, the you you know when you're mending stuff, you're you're going to need things to mend it with. You're going to need tools. You're going to need like yep. what was it Pro propriety whatever it was glue uh, that yep. you you were using. So there's there's uh, there, there isn't I don't think as much of a contradiction as we initially might think when you think about that because yeah, it, it's it's in a, in a shop's best interest I would I would say now to have people come in and and fix things there because uh, they they can sell other things as a result of that and if people want to keep their appliances working for longer which it you know people do want to do that but also we need to do that right there's a there's environmental and sustainability and economic reasons for keeping things working for longer so it seems like a, a good fit really the irony isn't as ironic when you really think about it i think which i i, I yes. guess you, you guys already know i'm sort of teaching uh, my <laughs> grandfathers to uh, put suck eggs or whatever but yeah <laughs> well it's good point. doesn't necessarily need to be either or um, and i've seen examples that are quite amazing about how the interplay between repairing and selling can happen last year i visited the tech district in beijing and one amazing shopping mall it was seven floors of shops all devoted to selling to an extent electronics but they were also selling bits and components and on one floor there were all the repair shops so even repairs that here you don't even hear about anymore for example graphic cards that no longer work but can be 
reflowed, as you say, which means take them apart and heat them up like you would in an oven to clean the contacts and then put them back together so that your laptop will work again and the screen will work again. There, it still happens within the same shopping malls where people can buy new laptops or secondhand laptops at times. So the two words can work together. It's just that we've lost it here. We've lost that connection here in this part of the world, most likely. Yeah. Although we've lost it in some ways and not in, a, not in other ways. I mean, as part of the, the current podcast I'm working on, I've been talking to, to I've, I spoke to a restarter. In fact, he was the guest last week um, who works in a music shop. And so in, in music uh, shops, I don't think we've lost that necessary, those connections. You buy a guitar, you also go there to get your guitar fixed. It's just in the, in the wider sense we've lost it. Maybe those, those kind of shops like music shops can be the, the way that we the path we follow in the future, that we look, look to them to, to revive our economy of repairing what we seem to have lost. There seems to be a need to coach a bit more curiosity in people, and that's part of why we do what we do in, in helping people regain an interest for taking things apart and learning what's beyond the shiny, shiny uh, new technology. And I'm just wondering, Dave, you, you've been repairing probably for a long time, but what what made you start wondering about the inner bits of um, technology? I think. Well, I think repair is one of those things that there are many reasons. There are the environmental, the economic reasons. Um, one of the things that does attract me is the idea of bridging the digital divide. To put it another way, by repairing, if someone has not very much money and you repair their laptop, you've got them back into the digital economy which they might otherwise have been excluded from. So that's very attractive to me, even though, of course, to me personally, that doesn't matter. So there's that. On a personal level, it's fun. One of the things that people miss about this is actually fun taking things apart, okay? Lots of us as kids used to take things apart and put them back together, and sometimes we fail to put them back together, of course. That's but the problem. That can be the problem, but it's curiosity is good. And I think, yes, one of the problems with the shiny, shiny new devices is they don't encourage curiosity. And maybe on a very basic level, one of the things we need to do is simply encourage that curiosity from an early, early age. Um, for instance, Restart is going into schools and trying to do that now. And I was lucky. My grandfather used to repair stuff all the time, partially because he was brought up during the war. And you had to repair things because otherwise you didn't have things. And... Maybe So maybe it's in my blood. And also there's a social aspect. Sitting around at a restart party, drinking tea, talking to somebody about their favourite devices. Maybe even if you don't repair it, you've at least given them an insight into how it works. Certainly. And actually, often we just give advice to people, yeah. even on how to buy their next device. So perhaps you have one favourite piece of advice about how to help people that want to either extend the life of their existing gadget or if they're trying to buy for durability, what would you recommend that that's like the one key thing that they should <laughs> keep in mind? That's a tough one. Um, there are a few things you should keep in mind. Um, yeah, obviously, if you can, then if you don't know anything about the devices yourself, talk to somebody who does know something at a restart party maybe and find out which devices are most repairable. Good example is... Mobile phones these days, some of them still have replaceable batteries. Many don't. 
if it doesn't have a replaceable battery, when the battery fails, it's a major job to take it apart, unglue the battery, put a new one in. On the other hand, certain brands are very good about supplying replaceable batteries. So think about that aspect of it. Uh, also, just bear in mind that when something fails, it may not be a permanent failure. Never throw anything away until you've brought it to a restyle party first. <laughs> okay? Wonderful. Thank you. So we are on Resonance 104.4 FM. So far, we've been talking with the two Daves about <laughs> recent repairs happening at Restart Parties. But we're moving on with the show to the part inspired by news from the last week in the tech world. And there's one piece of news that has shocked us all, yeah. a little bit at least. And oh, yeah. um, that's the announcement of the latest generation of tablets by Amazon. And in a sense, there's two bits of news there. One, that these tablets are $50 and allegedly they will be £50 here in the UK. But there's something else that's probably a bit more disturbing about them. The fact that they'll be sold in packs of six as well. So you buy six for the price of five, a bit like beers. So, Dave, what's your take on this? Well, I mean, it's 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 it's. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's very surprising for a start. Like, I did not expect to see tablets being sold like like beer, like in, in packs like that. I mean, it, they, it says in the articles about it that it's just promotional, this kind of uh, look, looking like it's in a pack of beer. Um, but, 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 I mean, it's a, it's a good promotion. It's going to attract people. And, and basically, like, it, it's very worrying to me. I don't know why people need, why your general people need six tablets like I, I can see why why educational institutions might might need uh multiple tablets but i don't see why a family would need that many or in that way it suggests to me that even though they're not saying this that it is encouraging this idea of throwaway culture even if it isn't explicitly actually saying that that's what it's doing because it's kind of saying you know and I can, there's economic reasons for it i can see like from a consumer point of view i can see why finding five friends who also need to afford cheap tablets and going in on this together that would be beneficial but why is this company doing that why why is this why is this happening i, I really don't know maybe you guys can help me know that I it's guess. a bit of a mystery and certainly there's something about the economics of it let's not forget that um the, the saying is that Amazon always sells you a product to enable selling you more. And so these tablets are consumption devices at their best. So there's something about selling you more uh, streaming of other content or whether it's audio or TV, etc. And so they probably think that by selling you six, chances are that you'll have multiple downloads of other apps that they're probably enrich them uh, later down mm -hmm. the road. But there's something worrying about the pricing of this device. How do you feel, Dave, about a tablet priced £50 or dollars? It is quite ridiculous, isn't it? It just seems, and slightly less with a discount, right? Because if you buy a six-pack, it'll be 40, whatever, £42. Um, 42, isn't that the answer to life, the universe, and everything? <laughs> um, but... One thing that did occur to me, I, I hadn't noticed at first, it's advertising supported, right? Yes. So what that means is they're going to be selling you stuff directly through the tablet itself. But also, presumably, they're going to be paid to push other people's advertising on it. So ultimately, they may even make a profit on that. It sure. may be sold as a loss leader simply to push advertising at you. And like the newspapers before it, 
this historical prison here, newspapers have always been sold below cost, supported by the advertising. So presumably the same is true of this new Amazon uh, Amazon tablet, yeah? And there's also something a bit disturbing about how, yet again, we have information about the pricing, but we have no information whatsoever about the transparency of where the different components come from and Mm -hmm. what is the ultimate environmental impact of such devices. The very fact that they are a throwaway device and that one of the visions surrounding them is that they become so cheap that you can then use them as remote controls, having them each in one bedroom or living room or kitchen in your house is quite worrying because it says nothing about the implications in terms of tons of water, carbon emissions in the manufacturing of all these devices. Right. I imagine that the uh, shadow carbon impact of of, uh, a remote control is less than the shadow carbon impact of a a tablet. Right. So whether they can be used as a remote control is kind of irrelevant to whether they should be used as a remote control. And if you have one in your home, uh, fine. But if you have six, not necessarily don't need six. Well, then you're multiplying by six, not the price, but the environmental impact. consumption associated with it Um, and actually there is the other aspect we're not pro a company or against the company per se that actually it's advertised as twice as durable compared to the apple ipad so this will have to see where whether that's true and it's hard until you, you see these videos where people throw two devices on youtube and see whether one breaks and the other doesn't. But the, certainly the lack of transparency around where uh, and how these devices are manufactured is is quite worrying. Which leads us to the next bit of news, which we found quite promising uh, for once, some good news, from Fairphone, the manufacturer that's trying to bridge and change the culture of making smartphones by making them much more transparently and using fair traded uh, materials as much as possible. This week here in London, they'll be launching their new device, but perhaps more importantly, from a restart perspective, they've just announced that their previous phone, they finally got hold of all the software licenses that will allow them to extend the lifespan of that device for years to come. Why is that crucial in your view, Dave? Um, It's crucial because of what us software geeks call bit rot, which is that sooner or later, if you have a device like a phone, which is basically a computer, the software in that eventually stops working for all sorts of reasons. It could be, for instance, that the web protoc- the protocols used on the World Wide Web will change and the phone won't be able to keep up. So you need, even though it might not seem like it, you need to be able to update your device just to keep up with the world outside. Okay, So having a phone which is no longer updated means that phone will become useless within a couple of years. And we've often seen people come into restart parties um, frustrated because they used to use a certain app on their phone and then the app gets upgraded, updated, sorry, and as a result, it no longer works on their device until they update the operating system, so the actual software on that phone, and they can't because in between the manufacturer 
the mobile operator and the provider of the operating system things don't really work and so it never gets updated and it becomes cheaper for everyone in theory to buy a new device yeah and but also in some cases the opposite happens you upgrade the operating system your favorite program stops your favorite app will stop working sometimes it happened to me on my dvd player recently um all of a sudden, YouTube, but the BBC iPlayer and all kinds of other apps stopped working. And guess what? Sony discontinued support for that device because it would be too costly or complicated to keep up with all the app developments. So it turns mm -hmm. out that actually smart, so-called smart TVs and smart devices are not really that smart <laughs> because they can't keep up with updates. So perhaps my piece of advice this week would be try to keep it simple and try to find any not so smart device that you can always plug to your laptop and <laughs> watch whatever you're trying to watch from your laptop as opposed to uh, hope that a smart device will fix your world. Good idea. So I mentioned Fairphone and uh, uh, we have a series of events coming up this week. It's London Design Festival and London is surrounded by thousands of different events and we have a few dear to us. Um, one is tomorrow evening in Somerset House at Makerversity, which is where the research project is based during the week when we're not popping up for events. We're hosting a conversation around design and repair practices to prevent waste and extend the lifespan, particularly our smartphones. And we will have representatives from Fairphone and from London-based repair company Lovephone to talk about their challenges and solutions uh, in that respect. And we have um, a set of events happening for the launch of the new Fairphone device on uh, Sunday and Saturday, particularly Restart will be leading the first official teardown of the new Fairphone phone. And people always ask, well, what is a teardown? And the teardown is when you take a device and you take it apart and trying to see how many bits and pieces of components it includes. So if you're interested in that and also if you want some advice on any electronics that stop working on Sunday, you'll have a chance just uh, outside London Bridge in London. And But the last bit of news is there's not one, not two, but three restart parties <laughs> happening on Saturday. And it's part of the week called Waste Less, Leave More. So if people have something burning to be repaired, whether in London or in uh, Leicester, they'll find lots of events where they can learn and try to resist upgrade culture uh, collaboratively. So you'll be at some of them, Dave, yourself? Uh, yes, I'll be in my, homes, my home turf. Uh, Hackney, we've got a restart party on Saturday at Graysbrook School. Please come along, bring your sad, sick devices and we'll make them better. And okay. as soon as that event ends, I'll personally be in Tooting, where we are running an event in collaboration with Transition Tooting from 2.30 onwards on Saturday. And you find all information about these and other upcoming events around the world, as well as in London, 
on our website, therestartproject.org, as well as information and updates on our social media channels on Twitter at Restart Project and on Facebook. This was the Restart Radio on Resonance 104.4 FM. See you again next week.